Welcome to the Power Up Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Scullion. Join me for some powerful conversations with members of the Substation Design Solutions Industry Consortium, the SDSIC. I'll chat with members about the consortium, innovations, how they're implementing different technologies, even some of the projects they're working on to address the growing needs of our power grid. Joining me today is Dennis Beck, founder and CEO of SBS. Dennis and his team are the developers of the AUD and SDS software that's used by many members of the SDSIC. Dennis has also been providing sponsorship dollars and personnel to the SDSIC conferences for many years now. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me today, Dennis. I'm really glad we we're finally able to get this on the books and get you online. Yeah, thanks, Trevor. Looking forward to it. Yeah, you bet it. Uh, yeah, sorry it took so long. You're a busy man. Hard to nail down. Um, at one point, I was going to drive to Colorado and just bring the microphone. Oh, that would have been great. Now, we are having some snow today, so it might not be as pleasant as uh, where you are up in uh, Toronto. So, <laughs> no, I'm trying to trying to get away from that. But Well, see, you're well aware of all the background. You and I talked about this, and, you know, this podcast was meant to really inform, you know, the now 1,768 members, get them to know folks, and uh, really is one of the key aspects of the SDSIC, and and getting yourself on. And I really wanted folks to get to know you. So maybe we'll just start with, you know, your background and your career and how you ended up founding uh, SBS. Yeah, I know. That's great. Yeah. I, uh, I'm an engineer by training. So I went to Purdue back in, in the the day when they had a really good football team and basketball team. I graduated with a civil engineering degree and then I went to the University of Texas and I got a, a master's degree in construction management. I did that while I was working professionally at IBM. I have oh, wow. 15 years. And, uh, and so I was doing, they were building lots of facilities back then. So I was doing facilities management, uh, kind of a precursor to asset management. Then uh, when things changed at IBM, I moved into systems engineering. So it's kind of interesting. I shifted from traditional civil engineering construction hmm. to technology in, in a big way. We were working for a company like IBM. Um, yeah. Yeah, then uh, I moved to a startup after that called Small World Systems out of Cambridge, UK. Uh, it was a, a complete change from IBM, which was kind of funny, you know, where IBM was big, blue, big structured enterprise, white shirts. Uh, this group of PhDs and they had engineering degrees, came from a university, they went to the pub every day for lunch and and it was a great experience. So I kind of got the, the big company stuff and I got the innovation side of it too. So it's been been a pretty fun thing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you gotta love the Brits. They just kinda have a have a pint at lunch. Yeah, exactly. I'm not <laughs> sure how they do it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So was that uh is that when you first met Andy? Yeah, I was I actually met Andy when I was at Small World and uh so Andy Street's my partner in the business and he was starting a company to do small world-based services. Okay. And uh, they were really eager to get some kind of work uh, to get the company started. And as it turned out, he had a perfect skills match for a project we were trying to do up in Wisconsin, one of our very first projects with small world in the United States. Oh, wow. And uh, so we, we granted the work to his company and he grew it to a very successful services company. And and uh, ultimately, we, we enjoyed working together so much, we decided to uh, form SBS back in 2002 now, so over 20 years ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah, 20 years. So uh, at, we were 
kind of an interesting situation was going on there too with with that with GE. I had been employee number seven at Small World. And we really grew the company from a tech startup to a publicly traded company on Nasdaq and such. Okay. When we went back to the GE, you know, when GE acquired us, we were doing some very innovative work around critical infrastructure, and it was related to national security. It didn't really line up with GE's objectives. So Andy and I really weren't let, ready to let go of what we were doing. It was just fascinating work. And uh, so, so we amicably left, and that's when we started SBS. And our whole objective was linking the world of, of IT, that traditional enterprise computing, enterprise information management, with all the unique things associated with technical you know, engineering software platforms, you know, CAD and GIS. You know, we've really morphed many ways over the years, but we've been doing some kind of variant of that, of the original vision ever since. Oh, wow. Okay. When did you first get involved with Autodesk with that? Was it way back well, longer or was that much after? Yeah, it was uh, after we started SBS. We were doing a lot of work with GIS to GIS uh, synchronization and data transformation and such. Okay. And uh, we developed some really clever things around Esri and Small World and, and Oracle Spatial. And uh, Autodesk saw what we were doing. They reached out to us and said, is there any way you could solve some of those problems in the CAD domain? Hmm. And so uh, we entered an engagement with them to develop something called FDO Provider. And uh, that's an older open OSGO as the group that sponsored FDO, but has an open protocol. And so we developed one between small world and AutoCAD technology. And that that was an R&D work, bit of work we did. And uh, that really got us doing some interesting things on, on the CAD front. And I always felt that getting CAD and JS working together better would be a really powerful thing for the, for the market. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we initially got started with that. Wow. Yeah. I remember meeting uh, Pat Reed from your team. Uh, at a, uh, yeah, at AU, and I think Autodesk had put us out there as partners and you know, neither one of us knew what the other did. And we were just leaning on these small little tables and after a lot of boredom, we just started chatting and you filled me in on SPS. <laughs> I was like a long time ago. Well, it was really interesting too, because when Pat joined the company, he had really wanted to do some work with the AUD product, you know, so our, our flagship distribution design product, and now the basis for our physical design solutions. And when when we met up, I wasn't really familiar with AUD. I was really interested in moving CAD-based design into the, the enterprise environment, particularly with all this FBO interoperability we had done. He wanted to take AUD into the markets that weren't being served by Autodesk. Autodesk was focused on the very largest utilities. He showed me his business plan, and I showed him mine, and we said, no, "I think we should do both." <laughs> so, so that's how we really got involved with AUD and AUD integration specifically. And kind of long before we implemented AUD, we were starting to solve some real specific integration issues. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know that kind of reminds me here. We should touch off on all the products that SBS maintains and builds and markets. And, you know, for all the folks in the SDSIC that are listening to this, a lot of them, you know, potentially first timers that are going to go to Nashville um, Mm -hmm. and to the open conference, maybe just let's give them an overview of of SBS and everything you guys do. Yeah, no, that's great. I appreciate that. So we are more and more every year, we're we're becoming much more focused as a product company and, and we have 
a number of different products. I had just mentioned AUD. Yeah. AUD runs on Autodesk Map3D, and that is the basis for our distribution design product, um, which is very well established in electric and gas utilities these days. We're in some of the very largest gas utilities. I know this is an electric conference, but we do a lot of work in that area. Mm. And then we have been you know, growing that. Part of what made it so such a, a well-received tool is that we've got productized integration also to GIS, to mobile computing, to Autodesk Construction Cloud, as well as ERP systems like SAP and Maximo. So so AUD is kind of our, our flagship in terms of distribution design. And then, you know, two two years ago, we really repurposed that to also do 3D substation physical design. And uh, our most recent project with that is a communications module, which uh, is very profound in terms of what it does. And you know, file in the back of your mind that, you know, the prediction control networks we're talking about have a, obviously are a, a major communications component too. So, so that's AUD. And uh, then we have on the substation side, we have SDS physical for AutoCAD, P4A we call it, and that's based on AUD. Right. But our original prod- product is one, Trevor, you know very well, it's uh, physical for inventor. And then that was our original project product on the physical side. Right. And uh, and then we have the SDS protection control module, which works on AutoCAD Electrical, and and so that's the on the the design solutions side. What we do, I think, what a lot of people don't know is that we've originally with those roots and advanced spatial integration and such that we did, we've developed a number of plugins that we've we've sold around the world too. For example, we have one for GE Small World that can extract data from the small world system, synchronize it with other databases like Esri or with Oracle Spatial and such. Right. And then we more recently developed a plugin that can take that data or any other data from FME and build a utility network model. So a lot of organizations are going to Esri's utility network for their, their distribution and transmission networks. So so we can also enable that too. So, so that's another area where, where SDSIC members may not be aware where we do things, but there's some pretty interesting technological things we do there. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah, I think for, you know, a lot of the newer members, I kind of noticed that at our last conference in uh, Kansas. And, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out, you know, like physical committee, electrical committee, civil, you know, which which things are which, which one's Autodesk, and what's where does Bentley fit in, and all these different tools. And, yeah, so that that's great for everyone to, to kind of hear what all those tools are. So the SDS tools for AutoCAD, Inventor, AutoCAD Electrical, uh, and you got AUD and civil, and you have a, a lot, of, a lot of technology. I think that we haven't even touched on at the SDSIC. No, uh, our utility data technology is pretty interesting too. Yeah, so much of what we're doing on the substation side is is forging some new ground. You know, as organizations move into three D model based design, uh, the work we've been doing on the distribution side is very established. So. So integration plays into that much more heavily, you know, to, to asset management systems and such. So, you know, as, as our SDSIC, you know, substation design suite customers really start to get more advanced and more rolled out in their technology, uh, we know that all those integration needs are out there and, and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll get to solve that. And, and so that's an area where we, we do a lot of work. That's fantastic. So let's talk about... The consortium itself, you guys, you know, SBS and yourself has been a, a massive supporter now uh, for at least seven years. Um, 
and in a big way, right? You send personnel, you've done, you've had folks like Randy Brunette, Steve Kaufman, they've come in, did free training on basically on the first day, right? I've never seen that from IBM really for <laughs> free training, but you know, having people in there and providing personnel. And then of course the sponsorship itself, you guys have put on events. You guys did a great one in Kansas city. The whole evening was taken care of for all the members and uh, I hear you're doing something big in Nashville as well. So, you know, these things are, are, are not cheap. And there's a lot of effort that goes into them from planning on, on the SBS side. So let's touch base on, on your feeling on why the SDSIC is, is so critical to the industry. Yeah, no, it, it's it's an amazing organization. You're my first SDSIC, kind of like the last one, which I unfortunately couldn't attend, but my first one was in 2016, and that was at uh, Burns and McDonald in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. It was really impressive to go there to see just how much open communication was going on. You know, the entire group was sharing information and experiences. And I realize utilities are a little different. I've worked with utilities for over 30 years now, but the open information sharing was just really tremendous. Mm. So so that was my first experience. I, I've really enjoyed it ever since. I. Uh, I have a lot of places I could be, and I always try my best to get out to the SDSIC meetings for that reason. You know, for, for my role as CEO, I also consider myself, you know, having a, one of the chief inventor roles too. You know, I want to hear about the problems users are having. And mm-hmm. I view every one of those as an opportunity for us to, to innovate, to do something better, you know, to make, make a customer's life a little more, more enjoyable every day. So, so there's a lot of really fun things that, that the SDSIC stimulates for us. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, I know a lot of the members really appreciate having you there, you know, being able to communicate with you directly, especially some of the customers with multiple, multiple, multiple feet and licenses of the software. But, it, you know, it's interesting. It's come up often on the podcast. A lot of, a lot of folks have mentioned it now uh, that just the open communication has been maintained. It's our 10th year this year, but, you know, some way, somehow, that open communication hasn't stopped. And even with, you know, all of the services providers that are in the same room together, you know, they're still focused on, uh, you know, coming up with a solution to the problems, not really trying to compete with each other. So it's, it's maintained its uh, openness, as you said. Yeah. And that's just really the right way to do business, you know, to, to help solve problems together. And, and I think the whole landscape has changed over the years too. I mean, if you look at who's solving problems and doing solutions that isn't necessarily coming all the time from Google or Facebook or Amazon. You know, there's a lot of innovation that we all need to take advantage of. Uh, right. And, and as long as we can do that, we'll help move the industry forward collectively. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yep. That's very true. Yeah. We also have a lot of ideas too, that we like to share and bounce off of people. We think they're all really good, and then we, we share them, and some may but not be as good as we thought, you know. So that's really valuable for us to to drive out requirements and help focus our innovation. So, um, so that that's just another aspect of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's such a good point. I think Mark Nelson, yeah, you know, the, the current co-chair for the STSIC. Yeah, I talked with him, and he basically said, you know, there's no bad idea at the consortium, right? I mean, people throw out ideas about how they did a project and and uh, it's pretty open that we do it on our side, just showing software solutions and, you know, hey, what do you guys think of this? And yeah, sometimes it falls on its face, but sometimes it turns into a great new feature. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. 
Dennis, I know you had a, a big year last year. Um, well, I mean, I think every year has been big for you guys since we started doing all the all the SDS tools and uh, AUD and all the new stuff. But you had a really big year last year. You know, uh, maybe fill in the group and fill in all the newbies on what's been going on at SBS. Absolutely. You know, we've just been growing steadily every year. And we're getting to the point where obviously we see plenty of growth ahead of us. But for us as an organization as we, that we founded, that was very entrepreneurial in nature and such. We felt we needed to get a partner in to help us continue our growth. And uh, for us, growth means growing our product base, but also means expanding internationally, supporting a number of different things. So uh, we achieved, received investment from a, a really excellent private equity firm out of Austin named Peacock Capital. All right. So that was in September of last year. And uh, they've they are part of our board now. They've been giving us a lot of guidance and bringing in a lot of skills on things we haven't been doing as much of. International growth is one of them, for example. And uh, so, and we had a lot of companies that were interested too. I'll just comment on that. They were really interested in SBS, investing in SBS. Uh, so we were very selective in who we, we picked. We really wanted to get an organization that understood our culture, understood our commitment to the customers and to innovation and 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 such. So uh, we're we're really pleased that uh, they are allowing us to work the way we work. You know, do the things we do. You know, continue to innovate uh, and such, and not just focused on the bottom line. Those kinds of things, which obviously is important for any company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it's been a, a great change for us, and and we're we're really starting to see the effects of some of the growth now. Yeah, that's awesome. So big shout out to Peak Rock Capital. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, we grew so That's great. So, is there uh, has there been any major changes at SBS? You've been you know, you brought in some new folks. You've been kind of like you said, setting things up to be international. Anything yeah, else? They're, bringing in the new folks has been an important one, and you know that again because of the investment capital, we can just really bring in some excellent people to, to help uh, ex- expand what we're doing. Uh, I mentioned the international expansion organizationally we're making some changes too and that's really important because we have been running much more like a smaller company and you know there are just different things we've needed to take on organizationally so so we're we're adding a little more management structure we're, we're doing quite a bit more work and and defining our services organization and getting that structured a little more formally mm-hmm. so all, all kind of uh, behind the scenes things but they're really important for us to make sure we can still keep the same levels of customer support and and grow make sure we have plenty of development talent to add have enhancements on a timely manner to the products so those are some of the things you'll see probably not big changes you know but uh but really just continuing to sharpen the saw as we uh we move forward well that's awesome well we can see the uh you know, the product features keep coming out so that's the most important for most of the uh, SDSIC users that are listening, they'll be, yeah, and they keep coming. So the LinkedIn posts and the new updates of AUD and SDS and everything keep coming out. So that's, uh, it's great to see. That's uh, one of the critical pieces, I'm sure, for everyone. Yeah, P4A has been a very, very big, you know, our physical for AutoCAD products has just been a very, very big investment for us. You know, we, we invested a lot to get the product up to market over the last um, many over the last year, really, we've been continuing to take that 1.0 uh, 
version product and really expand it. Uh, we've been doing a lot in terms of tying it to the protection control world, which is really an important requirement our customers have had. And so, uh, so yeah, they, the substation and our activities in our company are really taking uh, a lot of our development resources, which is great, by the way. And it's a, it's a great place to invest. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we'll, we'll get one of your product managers on soon. They could talk about the details, but yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to grill the CEO on the versions that are coming out. So um, let's uh, let's focus on some of the bigger things, like uh, you know, just the overall challenges in, in moving some of this technology forward. It comes up. Everybody I talk to, every podcast, it's always a big discussion, um, and just trying to get the utility industry to to embrace some of the technology. Right there. The, I, I put that lump almost everything into the category of adoption. Hmm. It's really getting people to adopt. They see the 3D technology. They know it's more efficient. They know it gives higher quality designs. They know it makes better, you know, construction products, cons deliverables to the the construction crews. I think everybody understands that. They, they've seen it visibly in the vertical construction industry hmm. that's doing the 3D BIM oriented design for a long time. Right. So, so that to me they're I, the challenges I see, Trevor, this is one you and I worked on a long time ago, but I think it's still one we have to continue to improve is, is getting the 3D you know, physical content available for the community. Right. We came out with uh, something called utilitycontent.com, and it's now it's a pretty decent library, well over 4,000 objects. Uh, then we added a number of configurators. Steve Kaufman was actively involved with those. Yeah. And all of those have made generating content much easier. Well, I haven't really cracked the problem yet. Uh, we've done a lot of work with translating 3D content from other systems. You know, we've got a, a bunch of technologies there. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the Autodesk, formerly known as Forge, their platform <laughs> services. We've done work with that. We we have deep skills in FME, but the content problem still continues to to be something that I think slows organizations down. And, and I, I think we're going to overcome that. I think we've got the pieces in place. Uh, we have, I have other ideas we want to, to work with to see if there aren't more clever ways you can solve that problem to get organizations to have the content so they can move forward with adopting, you know, yeah. the technology broadly to their organizations. So that's great. Yeah. We actually had a podcast with uh, Michael Bruce down in Florida. He was, uh, talking about CAD technology and everything. He brought it up. I have to get an accurate count from Steve Kaufman, but uh, he actually showed me the search and there's like over 5,000 CEFCORE parts on the utilitycontent.com. So I think it's expanded quite a bit on the work Steve's been doing. So I have to get some accurate numbers on, on where we're at before we go to Nashville and you know, fill people in there. Oh, I think that would be great. I think the other thing I've noticed is just that the, the volume, the hits against that site just continue to go up and up and up. And that for us is really gratifying because we, we've we really worked hard to try to solve that problem. And it's nice to see people recognizing it and starting to take advantage of it. Yeah. Well, and that's a great point for this podcast. All the members out there, you know, we need the voice of the industry to help push the vendors and work with them. And, you know, I don't even blame the vendors. It is no blame. They have been pretty clear that they cannot maintain model libraries for each individual utility. Mm -hmm. and they need to have a common, you know, here's the level of detail we need, here's the orientation, all that stuff, and they can help us get that together. So, again, to push the SDSIC members, to, especially in the physical group, to come together and say, 
you know, here's the standard we need. It'll give us some, some real tools to go back to the vendors with. Right. Right. You know, and there's an, a whole another domain of uh, content too, and that's from the Brownfield substations and those existing substations that are out there. And there's many, many utilities now have LIDAR scanning initiatives, immersive camera work that's going on. And that is vitally important to us too. You know, the challenge of being able to do intelligent 3D designs on an existing substation is something that, that is really important because that's where so much of the activity is going on. When that was one of the driving reasons for going to the uh, P4A, the physical for AutoCAD product too, uh, is that we could just handle LIDAR so much more effectively and put our clients in a position where they could really start doing more and more brownfield design. So we've done a lot of R&D on that, a lot of product work. Um, and uh, as you know, Trevor, we've been doing some really interesting work around machine learning and AI in that area so that we can really help convert that. We've been doing a lot of R&D on it. I think one of the challenges we have in that area, and I'll put this plea out to the entire SDSIC community, is that when we do things like machine learning, the, the learning word is really important. We need data samples that will allow us to really test and exercise these algorithms. Of course, it's it's uh, critical infrastructure information, so it's it's hard to share. But you know, for any of you out there that really want to understand uh, what we can do to start turning your scans into intelligence data, we'd, we'd love to open the conversations with you. Uh, we'd get into some secure, confidential data sharing arrangements, and we'd love to test our algorithms out on your data. Uh, we think it's a game changer for the whole industry, and, and again, one of those things that really inhibited adoption uh, or slowed down adoption, I should say. Um, so it's a, a pretty big one for us. Uh, that's great. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's a pet peeve of mine. I've been, <laughs> and you know, for all the people listening, you might not understand the whole machine learning thing and even chat GPT now it's everywhere, right? It's, it's data. It's, you know, mm -hmm. chat GPT is, is great. I even write a, a poem, but it, it did that by, you know, searching 8 billion websites and taking pages and content in. Um, when we're trying to train something, right, we get like five or six models of breakers. Yeah, it's hardly enough to really teach a machine what a breaker would look like every single time it comes across one. So, yeah, I appreciate that, Dennis. It's been a, <laughs> it's been a big, big pet peeve for all of us trying to fix that problem. Yeah, and, and the, the great thing about the SDSIC, though, is that we have this community that's open and sharing. You know, notwithstanding the, the information security aspects of this, these are areas where we can solve some really big problems in the industry and we can can get this data in place. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Now it's a great one to bring up for sure. And I, I think that's going to be a conversation in, in Nashville. I think there's quite a bit going on. You know, we started a new uh, innovative solutions group and there's, there's some pretty interesting things going on there in open discussions about how we can you know, pull together some of this data that we can start training things and we'll show some samples. Um, and I think it'd be pretty interesting for folks to see at least what's possible. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think there's, I'm so excited about the substation side of our business because I think there's so much opportunity for improvement. And I, I think we are in the early days so we can, you know, as, as more and more people push forward and really start doing more and more adoption, we're just going to open up the doors for more and more innovation. Uh, I, I think. When you talk about challenges, another one that I've seen, which makes it really hard in the utility industry, 
again, having worked in it for 30 years, more, gosh, it's, it's way more than that. Having worked in the utility industry for so long, I've seen how much leaner we are in the utility industry than we used to be. Mm. And so that makes it hard to adopt new technologies, you know, to, to get enough people to step back, learn something. It's more than just getting the training. It's really, you know, getting it assimilated into how you do your work. And, and that change management aspect is something that we all need to, to move forward on. We've been investing a lot in training and, and those kinds of things, adding videos, and we're excited about that. But uh, that, again, this is, I think, just one of those challenges that we all have to work together to overcome. Yeah. You know, one of my, I got to stop saying this because I do it on every podcast, but one of my favorite new things is the silver tsunami is coming. And it's all the silver-headed folks that are going to say, finally, you know, maybe it's the second time they said it, but they're going to retire for real. So we need to. And one of the reasons we're, you know, Sean Weekly and I were posting these things. We're trying to put career hashtags on LinkedIn to explain to the industry you know, computer science for sure, and that this is a really interesting and, you know, very critical business to be in. And, and we're hoping we could attract some of that young talent to do the machine learning things. I mean, Dennis, you and I know, if you would have told us even 10 years ago that we would go to a substation design conference and people would be showing what they do with AR, VR, uh, man, I got, there's people showing uh, game engines, you know, I mean, I mean, there's lots of cool stuff going on now. Oh, totally is. And, uh, you know, so much of the things that, that you heard about on the tech front, like digital twins, we're actually doing that. You know, we were creating 3D digital twins, with topological models, we're carrying rich attribution and everything. Now it's how do we exploit that? And we're at that stage now of where, where can we take this? And that's where it gets so fun. Yeah, there you go. So that kind of leads into the next question I had for you. It was really, you know, what do you think that, you know, what, what, I guess your recommendation to companies and people out there kind of preparing for this next wave of technology, what, what could they do to prepare that? Yeah, I, I think one thing, and this sounds probably overly simple, but uh, it's just to learn. Yeah. You know, having graduated so many years ago from college, I, I always got in a position, and I think IBM did a really good job of instilling this in, into me, uh, but just keep learning, you know, uh, as individuals. And I've always been committed to learning new things in the world of tech. I started out as an engineer, and then I went into to systems and technology. And uh, I know, Trevor, you're the exact same way yeah. of wanting to absorb new things. So, But the things we're doing today, they just... We're just back in people's wildest imaginations back when I was in college and early part of my career. So I'm just developing a learning mentality at a personal level and, and finding enjoyment in it. You know, it has to be enjoyable for you to do that. So yeah. I think that's one thing at a personal level I would really recommend. Um, and that's great advice. And I, I think too is not to get discouraged. You know, it's we've all seen things, you know, uh, that we thought were going to be really cool. Yeah, <laughs> they never went anywhere. You know, you you may still have them sitting in a closet somewhere in your house or whatever else. Uh, it's the same way in all technologies. They, there are certain winners and losers, and sometimes the the losers were were really decent things, but the market didn't accept them. Uh, so you know, whenever you start an initiative, you know, start it with your eyes wide open, and, and the enthusiasm of the whole thing. Don't forget, 
should look at a business case, use your gut at the same time, but you know, identify the risks, manage them, and and then move forward. So that's great advice. Yeah, I mean that's that's the number one reason I didn't you know I didn't text you on my BlackBerry, and we're not recording this on a Palm Pilot. So right, yeah. <laughs> I liked my Palm by the Pretty nice device, but uh, once it broke, it was gone. So. Yeah, gone forever. Yeah. I'll say, too, is that things take time. You know, we've been doing this 3D substation work for quite a few years, and, and I think it's gained tremendous traction. It's been fun to watch it. But I, I remember 10 to 15 years ago, ideas I had that never got anywhere and today people are really interested in them. Right. And so sometimes it can be too forward looking and it just takes a while. Uh, so, so an element of patience is, is pretty important in, in the world of tech too. Even though things change so quickly, people don't and, and it takes a long time to get started with things. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well said. You know, I think of some of the machine learning now, I, I mean, we couldn't even run it, right? We couldn't, I mean, six years ago, you couldn't open some of these you know, six billion point LIDAR clouds and run some kind of machine learning. I mean, you just couldn't do it. And now it's okay. You could run it on a laptop. Why? Yeah, exactly. Bit <laughs> setting. So let's lead into, I'm sure you have a kind of future vision for all of this. Do you have something you want to share about where you see this all evolving to? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I think... They're, they're just a bunch of, you know, when you look at where the future is going, you have to kind of look at the bigger outside forces that are changing things. You know, obviously, improvement in computing, um, machine learning and AI are very, very popular right now. And the, the, the tech hubbub, digital twins have been for a while. Right. And all those things really flow together. You know, it's when you merge these technologies and is how you really get the best innovation out of it. So. You know, and when we look at things like uh, grid modernization, you know, it's our, our whole network is changing. Yeah. And, and so getting more and more efficiency, supporting BIM, and, uh, you know, this is really going to be important for us. So as our clients do more and more rollout of intelligent substation design, they're really going to be generating the information to drive meaningful BIM kinds mm -hmm. of things. And when I, I talk about BIM, I mean, it's just an overused acronym, but there, there's several aspects to it. You know, that you've, you've seen the seven or, or now eight dimensions of BIM. <laughs> um, and, and they're, they're pretty interesting. You know, the, the asset management is obviously a big one, which is 70 BIM for, for utilities. They have trillions of dollars of assets. And, and, and that's where digital tr twins really play in there. We're creating the digital twins. And we're, we're, we have the ability to establish unique identifiers on them. And, and now the workflow is about keeping those up to date, having them feed other systems, making them available for analyses. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's one of the key, key things I think is going to be very transformative for us. So, so that's, that's a big one from my, my perspective. I think uh, some of the other areas that are very interesting, getting more into a, a macro substation level, you know, the work we're doing to combine our physical design and then move it to to the uh, AutoCAD and the AUD platform is that we're introducing network topology to substation design mm -hmm. uh, on the physical side. And then when you look at protection and control, that's all about topology. And so I really see getting those disciplines merged closer and closer together 
that's going to take some time, but that's where we're putting quite a bit of work right now, quite a bit of development resource. And, and there's so much more that can be done once we, we get into that world of, of really getting the system much more holistic. Mm. That's a pretty exciting area for us. And, uh, but um, getting back to the BIM side, you know, we have a lot of things that are starting to be proven out about how we're creating safer designs too and we're making repeatable construction. So we're really driving 8D BIM. And, and anything you do to improve constructability, to improve safety, is a really, really big deal. Yeah. Uh, and the other area that, that I just think, again, this is one of those areas that's kind of funny, it gets hyped and then wrong directions, but it's just critically important is sustainability, which is 6D BIM. And, and sustainability is really critical in terms of being able to, you know, Build sustainable construction. Mm -hmm. Use to have sustainable designs, uh, minimizing rework in the field. Uh, all these kinds of things that that we should be doing a lot more with. Uh, we've we've been toying with ideas around sustainability indices. So when we create a design, you can start assessing what what you've done positively or negatively to impact sustainability. Mm -hmm. That's just we're in the very early stages of this, but it's. It's something, again, we'd like to get the right thought leaders in our utility organizations together with us so we can can really figure out the best way to approach it. It's a, a very important problem when you look at all the tremendous amount of construction spend that's going to be going on to support grade modernization. So I ramble and ramble. So <laughs> several several thoughts that you come to my that come to my mind when, when you talk about the future. There's just so much exciting stuff that we can be doing. Yeah, that's fantastic. So when you when you talk about sustainability, you talk about like carbon capture and all that kind of stuff too. I see that a lot. You know, from from our standpoint, with and the on the podium of design, you know, it, it's a, to me, it's about improving the design so it, we can ensure that it's sustainable. Okay, and uh, you know, using the right uh, elements and materials, um, quality, and and sustainability has to be a a very holistic asset life cycle. Look at it too. You know, if you can substitute a cheaper product, that doesn't mean it's going to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at the life cycle, sustainability impacts of, of anything we're designing and building. Okay. The vertical industry has done this, you know, with like lead certification, those kinds of things. Right. I think it's just conceptually very new to the utility industry. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, you think about all the electronics you throw away now, you can't fix them anymore. Just build yeah. <laughs> built with garbage components, right? <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. When you look at construction processes too, and the construction industry has loads and loads of rework. Mm. And and so just improving quality and accuracy and those kinds of things that has going to have a significant impact on sustainability and on time to market, getting all this infrastructure in place so we can start moving to, to renewable energy sources in a more robust way. Yeah, right. Wow. So you mentioned a couple of things there was, uh, one of them was to, you know, keep learning, you know, don't get exhausted by the, the process. Do you have any, any other really kind of great advice for folks in the SDSIC that are listening to this? And, you know, I think of, you know, people that are just coming in and maybe coming to the first live conference and you have six different committees set up and, you know, coming in for the first time, you know, what would you advise those folks to be doing down there? Well, I think one thing that I haven't mentioned is just to be open to change. Mm. A lot of what we're doing with 3D intelligent design 
it's been accomplished in other industries, you know, in the building industry, for example. Um, so I sense sometimes a lot of resistance when you can be very efficiently the old way. And then I think having a, a mindset that not only that you can change, but we need to change is really important because all the things that I've been talking about with regard to a better asset management, sustainability, and, and other critical things to our future really get enabled when you do things better and different. Specifically, the, the, the 3D intelligent design that we promote as a company. Um, that's an enabler for, for taking things to a completely new level. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm thinking of the that image of you know, that cartoon of the cavemen that don't have time to look at the wheel. Exactly. <laughs> that's great advice. Keep an open mind. There you go. So Dennis, I, you know, I always like to ask things that motivate you and your work and everything. And, and being founder and the CEO, that might be a non-question, but you know, do you have anything that really motivates you day to day? Yeah, you know, I have a little motto in my life. Uh, you know, take take uh, positive steps forward every day. You know, life begins with the, the first step. Goals begin with the first step. So I, I, I really like improvement. And improvement can be measured different ways by different people. But I just like to take little steps forward every day that can ultimately create a big difference. And as I look back on my life, that's it's one of the things I really see. So but just, just making positive steps every day is, is what keeps me going. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, I, you know that reminds me of my uh, my old boxing coach. He's telling me you gotta you gotta keep moving, just keep stepping forward. You can't end up back on the ropes. Only Muhammad Ali knew how to do that. Exactly, <laughs> that old obadope. <laughs> yes, that's right. The only one that survived that. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, great advice. So, what's your uh, let's yeah? You're running SBS. You guys are you, know, you took on an investment partner. You're growing. What, what are some of the biggest challenges yeah. you're facing now? Well, I think internally it's helping our organization adapt to the change. You know that we we're becoming a bigger organization. That that's just a consequence of success. So mm. the hope that people here realize that we're still retaining our, our customer values, and and you know we started out with three values in the company, and and so I want to ensure that we're values of flexibility, innovation, passion for customer service continue right. to be carried forth by everybody in the company. So, so those are some of the, the things. And of course, I really get a lot of joy from seeing our, our customers adopt the technology. And so we want to just keep pushing forward ways they can adopt better. And that's, I just view that, you can call it a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That, I mean, that is a big challenge though, right? To keep the, keep the corporate cultures to try to grow. So I mean, uh, it's awesome. Well, you're doing a good job. So keep those features coming out. That's what we need. <laughs> all right that, one of my favorite questions is books any okay. books you would recommend to all the members out there and you know it's always hard to find books you try to read the reviews and everything so it's much nicer to get a recommendation yeah yeah I'm, I'm reading a variety of interesting books right now um one i just finished was called brain on fire mm. and it's actually a journalist from the new york post who who with a really rare uh, health condition and she just talks how she fought through it and uh, sounded like she was just an outstanding person before it happened and she was completely misdiagnosed. It was a very rare circumstance. And just what she accomplished to get back to where she is in life was, was just very uplifting for me. 
Uh, I'm, uh, now I'm reading a book called The Power of One, which I'm really enjoying. It okay. happens there. It's an older book. A movie was made about it. Um, but they're all about people's journeys, right? And the things they're doing. Eef. From a kind of a self-help or an improvement standpoint, I, I just finished a really good book. I'd recommend to anyone called Atomic Habits. Oh, I love that book. <laughs> Isn't it great? Yeah, that's correct. Just yep. all the little steps you need to do, and it kind of goes into what I was just saying earlier, you know, of you take these little steps, atomic-sized steps, and you can accomplish huge things. And they have a bunch of fantastic examples. So, so I'd recommend that to anyone that, that uh, wants to to um, progress and, and learn how to adopt better habits since they started the, the year of 2023. No, that's great. Yeah, that that's such a good book too. So it was Brain Brain on Fire. Yeah. That was the other one? one. And and the other one was The Power of One. Power of One. A, a young man in Africa. And I'm I'm in the first quarter of the book. He he's just suffering all kinds of abuse. He meets a boxer who befriends him. Mm. So I think you might like that, Trevor. Yeah. Uh, and then uh it, it just very, very uh, entertaining read right now. Like, I can't tell you how it turns out because I haven't finished it, but it is something I'm actively reading right now. I have a long flight ahead of me this weekend, so I feel I'll probably finish it pretty easily. Yeah, that's great. No spoilers. No, that's good. <laughs> so let's uh, let's close it out with any uh, any big future plans. I mean, you've already had a big year last year and the last couple of years. I mean, anything big going on future plan wise? You know, I'm just really interested in seeing things progress, particularly on the STS technologies. I, I think we have the opportunity not just to be the leading software in North America, but you know, the the international expansion. And, and what, once we get this community bigger and bigger, it's just going to drive more and more innovation. That's just very exciting to me. Uh, we we have a lot of North American customers. We're, we're doing well in Australia. And we're really starting to see interest in, in Europe, and the, you know, the whole Asia-Pacific region. Uh, we've, we've had quite a bit of demand in Latin America. We just weren't really ready to start fulfilling that mm-hmm. because we were, we're growing so much and we were spent a lot of time getting the products much more marketable. So, so we're in a position to see that. And that, that's where some of my excitement is in terms of the future, future plans. Uh, so it'll just be fun to see that the little company we started with a, a handful of people turn into an, an international entity. And it's all very exciting. Yeah, I bet. That's awesome. Fantastic, Dan, as well. Uh, you know, on behalf of the whole SDSIC and the community, you know, we really appreciate you. We appreciate SBS, all the support, you know, that we couldn't get these conferences going. Um, and, you know, now we're kind of at critical mass, but, you know, in the early days it was all sponsorship and you guys were always there and, helping us move things forward. So we really appreciate you. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, it's been a real pleasure being associated with the SDSIC. Look forward to a lot more of it and uh, look forward to seeing people in Nashville. It'll be great to catch up. Yeah, there you go. So anyone listening, um, anyone that doesn't know Dennis, you might see his picture on LinkedIn, but how tall are you, Dennis? I'm six foot eight, five Can't foot eight. I like no people. Uh, <laughs> and so I've, I'm... Pretty much the easiest person to spot at, at any conference. There you go. You're not going to miss them. Walking around Nashville, just spot Dennis and, uh, hey, go up to him and, uh, you know, say thanks. They uh, say hi for sure. He's very approachable. And, uh, yeah, you won't miss him. Great. Thanks a lot, Dennis. It was really great talking to you. I'm glad you could uh, get the time in. 
Oh, absolutely. And then take care and look forward to uh, talking again soon. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Power Up Podcast today. If you enjoyed this conversation and you're not yet a member of the SDSIC, join for free at sdsconsortium.com. Be part of the community and all these great conversations. And maybe you'll be the next guest on the Power Up Podcast. Oh, 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 o